You are listening to River City Revival. This is Reverend Liz Jackson. Today's sermon is True Word of Yah, What is the Cross? As always in the description box of this podcast, you will find a link to Alliance Terrors Ministry where you can study this information on your own and continue to build your relationship with our one true creator. This sermon is going to use the book of the Acts of John to set the record straight on what the cross is so that we can all turn to God and begin to live according to his word. Before we begin the sermon, we're going to learn the basic understanding of the cross in Hebrew and Greek definition. And we must remember that the word usage and how many times God uses or says a word actually does matter. To begin the sermon, we go to the Hebrew word for cross, which is Strong's Hebrew word H6563. And it's perke or perk, I believe. And it means crossway robbery. Parting of ways breaking in upon plunder or crossroads. It also means rapine. And so the Lord God told me to look up the definition of rapine. And rapine in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary means a violent seizure of someone's property. Now, if you recall the sermon on You can't have a resurrection without an insurrection. We need to kind of recall that. And if you have not read or heard the sermon on that, please do so. But during the time of insurrection, where we are apart from our creator, whether it's due to personal beliefs or environmental factors, whether it's cultural separation, However the case may be, when we take our eyes, our hearts, our minds, and our ears off of God, we are allowing the adversary, Maxima, to control what God wants in your life. You are thus giving yourself over to the adversary. You are thus giving the parts of you that believe in God over to the world, to material possessions, to objects, to false idols. And all of this is designed to seize your property. Brothers and sisters, if you've listened to the last four seasons, because we're in season five of River City Revival, or if you paid attention to the sermons on the ministry website that you may have read on your own that I have yet to record, then you will learn that this entire ministry is about your heart and mind and how to make your heart and mind heal so that you can accept what God wants in your life for you for your children, for your community, and for your families. Your property that the world wants to confiscate 
is your hearts and your minds and your energy, which is the very essence of your soul. That's what those words mean. Look it up. I've done the work for you. There are sermons on what does your soul mean. There are sermons on what does your heart and ears and eyes and mind mean. The mind in Greek is psyche. Your psyche is your mind. Your psyche is your soul, the seat where your morals, your values, your righteousness lies. The Hebrew word H6563, the word for cross, can be found twice in the Old Testament. Obadiah 1.14 and Nehemiah 3 verses 1. And you can read that. The Jesenius Hebrew Chaldee lexicon, which is another older version of a lexicon, has the definition of a crossway or in Arabic it means to separate and that's the reference in Obadiah verse 14 the Arabic word and definition to separate so for this sermon we will be using the definition associated with crossway and the idea of separation the reason for this is because we all become separated from God at some point in our lives, whether it is being birthed through the birth canal, because we learned that there is an angel at the time of our nine months in the womb that teaches us things about God. God has everything in us. We are full of him and knowledge. It's said at the moment we are conceived and we pass through that portal, also known as the matrix, because that is what the womb in your Bibles mean, the matrix. We forget all knowledge. And therefore, we have come accustomed to appointing godparents. I remember my godparents when I was a child. My godmother, Barb, always on my birthday would send me a birthday gift to school and so I looked forward to my birthday every year because she made it special for me I knew I was loved by her I knew I was loved by my aunt I knew I was loved by my grandfather when my grandfather died that kind of took me a little bit further away from God when I got divorced that took me a little bit further away from God. When I had a child at 17, kind of took me a little bit further away from God because the Lutheran church that was family church for generations wouldn't allow me to baptize my daughter, who was a baby, during the service because their father and I were not married. And I was trying to do right by the church. Even though I had a child out of wedlock, 
It should not, at my infancy of 17, have prohibited my daughter from what I now is not accurate baptism anyway, from being baptized at the time I saw or understood it to be what God wanted. There's a lot of things that God prevents when you look at things differently. There's a lot of things that he allows to happen. And there's a lot of things that he forces to change. We have all come to some type of crossroad in our lives that makes us choose one path over another. Whether that path is to follow the Lord God Almighty or to go the way of the world. It is still a path. And these subtle crossways are, these crossways are not subtle crossways. These crossways are smack dab, hit you in the middle of the face type crossroads or crossways that make you change. And if you don't change, then you failed to see where God set a door for you to walk through in order for you to be on his path for his will for your life. Not only does the cross represent a choice of whether or not to serve God or to follow the world, brothers and sisters, the cross means so much more than that. And we are going to learn more. We're going to now look at the Greek word for cross. The Greek word for cross is... I didn't write it down, so let me pull that back up just a second. It is G4716. And I still had it from when I copied and pasted it off of blueletterbible.org. And it states the definition of cross, a cross, a well-known instrument of most cruel and ignominious punishment borrowed by the Greeks and Romans from the Phoenicians. Two, it were affixed among the Romans down to the time of Constantine the Great. The guiltiest criminals, particularly the basest slaves, robbers, the authors and betters of insurrection, and occasionally in the providences at the arbitrary pleasure of the governors, upright and peaceful men also, and even Roman citizens themselves. The crucifixion which Christ underwent, <clears throat> or a cross is an upright stake, especially a pointed one, used as such in fences or palisades. Now, the Strong's Hebrew definition of cross means a pole or cross, instrument of capital punishment, a stake, a stake, an upright. It is an exposure to death, self-denial, and finally, the last definition, the atonement of Christ. So, Brothers and sisters, my question to you is this. How can anyone respect the cross when it's given this type of definition? How can we connect with our creator if every time we see the cross, all we see is God's image of 
his dying flesh that he took on himself in order to show us what the world does to him when we deny him, when we defy him, and when we go and destroy each other. Like is, you know, what's being done in Cuba by the communists and their economy, what's being done over in Palestine in the Middle East, what's being done worldwide, pick a country and insert in the blank. How can we connect with our creator if every time we see is our Messiah drenched in blood? Honest, the answer is we cannot. But that's what the world and the serpent doctrine has taught us to believe. That every year at Christmas, Jesus is born. Every Easter, Jesus is killed. And the cycle continues and repeats. If you've, again, listened to the ministry, the Ouroboros comes to mind. The cycle that never can are not, that never stops but always continues and is eating its own tail. That's what we're doing to ourselves. That's what we do to our Messiah when we resurrect him and kill him and celebrate his life and his death. And we don't really get to know him except what our preachers tell us. We don't go to know him except what our Bibles tell us. John the Baptist, who walked and paved the way for our Messiah, he knows what the cross means. He knows the very importance of what God did for us. And so will you. So the Acts of John depicts events. It is set up where John's in the city of Ephesus, and they worship Artemis or Diana, shrines everywhere to false gods. God sent John the Baptist and the disciples to preach about their salvation and overcoming idolatry. We know John wrote John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and Revelation. John has a book, again, called the Books of Acts, where he talks about things that God showed him, that was shown to him just like it was shown to Moses, to Enoch, and to Adam, because that's what Revelation is a condensed version of. That's what all of John's books are, are condensed versions of what Enoch, Moses, Adam and our ancestors were trying to preserve. In the Acts of John, Abba Yah tells us what the cross really means. We're going to pick up at the Acts of John in chapter 97. Thus, my beloved, having danced with us, the Lord went forth, and as we men gone astray or dazed with sleep, fled this way and that. I then, when I saw him suffer, did not even abide by his suffering, but fled unto the Mount of Olives weeping at that which had befallen. And when he was crucified on the Friday at the sixth hour of the day, darkness came upon all the earth, 
And my Lord, standing in the midst of the cave and enlightening it, said, John, unto the multitude below in Jerusalem, I am being crucified and pierced with lances and reeds and gall and vinegar is driven me to are given me to drink. But unto thee I speak, and what I speak, hear thou. I put it into my mind to come up into this mountain, that thou mightst hear these things which it beholdeth a disciple to learn from his teacher and from a man from his God. And having spoken thus, he showed me a cross of fixed light, and about the cross a great multitude, not having one form, and in it the cross was one form and one likeness. And the Lord himself I beheld above the cross, not having any shape, but only a voice, a voice not such as familiar to us, but one sweet and kind and truly of God saying unto me, John, it is needful that one should hear these things of me, for I have need of one that will hear. The cross is light, sometimes called the word, by me for your sake. Sometimes it's called the mind, sometimes Jesus, sometimes Christ, sometimes door. Sometimes the cross is called a way, sometimes bread, sometimes seed, sometimes resurrection, sometimes the son of man, sometimes father, Abba, sometimes spirit, sometimes life, sometimes truth, sometimes faith, sometimes grace. And by these names it is called as towards men, but that which is in truth as conceived of it itself and as spoken of to you, it is the marking off of all things and the firm uplifting of things fixed out of things unstable. And the harmony of wisdom and indeed wisdom in harmony. There are of the right hand and of the left powers also, authorities, lordships, and demons, workings, threatenings, wraths, devils, Satan, and the lower root whence the nature of the things that come into being proceeded. This cross then is that which fixed all things apart, joined all things unto itself, by the word, and separated off the things that are from those that are below, example things from birth and below it, and then also being one streamed forth into all things, or made flow all things. But this is not the cross of wood, which thou will see when you go down hence. Neither am I he that is on the cross, whom now has seest not, but only hears his voice. I reckoned to be that which I am not, not being that what I was unto many others. But they will call me or say of me something else, which is vile and not worthy of me. 
And then the place of rest is neither seen nor spoken of. Much more shall I, the Lord, thereof be neither seen. Now the multitude of one aspect that is about the cross is the lower nature. And they whom thou seest in the cross, if they have not one form, it is because not yet has every member of him that came down been comprehended. But when the human nature, or the upper nature, rather, is taken up, and the race which draws near unto me, and obeys my voice, he that now hears me shall be united therewith, and shall no more be that which now he is, but above them as I also am now. For so long as thou callest not thyself mine, I am not that which I am or was. But if thou hear me, thou hearing shall be as I am, and I shall be that which I was, when I thee as I am with myself. For from me thou art thou which I am. Care not therefore for the many, and them that are outside the mystery despise. For know that thou, I am holy with the Father, and the Father with me. Nothing therefore of the things which they will say of me have I suffered. Nay, that suffering also which I showed unto thee, and the rest in the dance, I will, or I will that it be called a mystery. For thou art, thou seest, for I showed it to thee, but what I am I alone know, no man else. Suffer me then to keep that which is mine, and that which is thy hold thou through me, and behold me in truth, that I am not what I said, but what thou art able to know, because thou art akin thereto. Thou hearest that I suffered, yet I did not suffer. That I suffered not, yet did I suffer. That I was pierced, yet I was not smitten. Hanged, and I was not hanged. The blood flowed from me, and it flowed not. And in a word, what they say of me, that befell me not. But what they say not, that did I suffer. Now those things... Are I signifying unto you, for I know that thou will understand. Perceive thou therefore in me the praising of the word, or logos, the piercing of the word, the blood of the word, the wound of the word, the hanging up of the word, the suffering of the word, the nailing of the word, the death of the word. And so speak I, separating off the manhood. Perceive thou therefore in the place of the word, then shalt thou perceive the Lord, and in the third place the man, and what he has suffered. When he had spoken unto me these things and others which I know not how to say as he would have me, he was taken up. No one of the multitudes having beheld him. 
And when I went down, I laughed them all to scorn, and as much as he had told me the things which they have said concerning him, holding fast this one thing in myself, that the Lord contrived all things symbolically and by a disposition towards men for their conversion and salvation. Brothers and sisters, it's been taught that the word's been hung on a tree, that we killed God. But God said I didn't suffer. God said I wasn't pierced. God said this is mind games that the world is trying to play on you. The Lord himself said that the Lord contrived all things symbolically. When we understand that God came and died fleshly, symbolically for us because the world hated him so much, the only thing he could do is say, I surrender, kill me. You can't get rid of me, though, because I'm God. God's not dead. That's the best song I've ever heard in my entire life. God's not dead because he's not. You have to first perceive the first place of the word. The first place of the word is God. In the beginning was God and God was the word and everything came from the breath of God. Then shall you understand the Lord. When you understand that the word of God became symbolic in a flesh suit because we're all flesh suits brothers and sisters that's what God said God said I made you into light the fall caused you to have me put you into suits of skin so therefore he came down in a skin suit but he didn't suffer the worst thing a parent can do is make a child think that they're suffering that's a tactic good parents use because when your child thinks that you've cut them off and they really, really want to make changes and you see those changes within their lives and you come back and things heal and mend, did that child the whole time think you're a horrible parent? Yeah, probably. But did you in your mind think, okay, I'm doing this for the betterment of them? When the Lord God came as man and said, you know me not, he was right. The Jews were lost. I read to you earlier the Acts of John, we had picked up in the sermon prior to this one, where it said in verse 94, now before our Messiah was taken by the lawless Jews who were governed by the lawless serpent, The serpent has always been 
a symbol of that other doctrine, that other God, that other imposter. We have to pay attention to symbols. Brothers and sisters, the world has told us that symbols are witchcraft, that herbs are witchcraft, that sage and incense burning is witchcraft. I laugh at that because if you read your Bibles, you learn everything the world tells you is incorrect to be actually beneficial for your mental, emotional, and overall well-being. Again, one of the sermons that I will have for you soon, and I've dangled a couple times, is that the 12 tribes of Israel and our birth stones and their stones are the exact same. Zodiac signs, exact same. The doctrine of the serpent has changed things to fit the narrative. And the Lord God warned us of that. The Lord God warned us and continues to warn us of false doctrines and false teachers and false preachers. And we have to understand and perceive God with our whole hearts and minds before we can ever understand man and what he has suffered. I understand a little bit. I understand that when our hearts and minds are negative, our actions are going to be negative. When we have a root of bitterness within us so deep, we can't love ourselves or children or build Losting relationships. I understand that when trauma occurs, our minds and our hearts change and they become corrupt. But that's why it's important to build the foundation with God's word first. But when we don't have that foundation, it is up to us to perceive God first. And that is his word, trying to understand his word, then you can understand, well, what does God's word want for me in my life? And that is what righteousness is. And then when you learn and perceive God and what he did for you and your salvation, you are able to put his righteousness on and understand that it is all about choice. We have a crossroads, the cross. It is a decision to live under the law of sin and death or to live freely under the law of the spirit of life, which is the word of God. The Lord God, Allah, same God, Hebrew, or Arabic name, Hebrew name, Abba, Yah, the Lord God. He speaks to me in numbers. And numbers are symbols, and that is exactly how I learned what the cross means. That is how I learned about the Acts of John, which led me to the sermon. I want to share a brief testimony with you. I know I briefly shared it in the sermon prior to this one. But 
the Lord God told me to dissect my new phone number that I put in um, and changed a week ago. So I put my phone number into the Strong's Hebrew and Greek concordance. G314 means in Greek to read, to know accurately, and to acknowledge. The Greek word G378 means to complete, fulfill, and to accomplish by obedience. And then G5882 means alpha. The Lord God signed his own message to me via my phone number. He called me from heaven via my phone number. We can leave it at that. Told me that I needed to read more accurately for knowledge and to complete and to fulfill my ordained duty by obedience. These verses you can read Matthew chapters um, 12 and Matthew's chapter 13 because in Matthew chapter 12 verse 6 was how I learned about Artemis and Ephesus and was led to the Acts of John. So, we must unlearn what the world has shown us so that we can truly be set free by our one true creator. Because when you are truly set free, the symbols that the Lord God is putting in front of your face start to like come alive. And he starts to talk to you. And his voice will start ringing loud and clear. Just like when he said, put your phone number into the Greek because, you know, it is after the fact that he died for us. Therefore, we are in the newness of his salvation. So I'm going to turn to the Greek on something new. And he said, learn the Acts of John. So here we are. John even wrote something similar to what Peter told us in the Acts of Peter, where it says that um, there are... Things of the right hand and things of the left hand. Remember, the Lord God told us to turn the world upside down. Isaiah states that surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. When we turn this world upside down, we are actually putting it back into the perspective of God. We have to unlearn what the world has taught us. The world was broken and in chaos. All the knowledge each religion has, all the information, all the scientists are born with, all the despair and torture of this world, God brought his light, brought his spirit, brought him into real flesh, died on the cross symbolically, because he was like, you guys want to kill me anyway. Here, kill me, but you can't get rid of me because we learned thermal dynamics. Matter cannot be created nor destroyed. Neither can energy and neither can atoms. So therefore, the spirit of God can never be destroyed. The soul of God can never be destroyed. And he proved that on the cross. He also proved that you need to learn wisdom. That is what the cross means as well. He states that the cross means... Um, doo -doo -doo, the spirit. Harmony. It means things fixed 
out of things and the firm uplifting of things fixed out of chaos. The cross is the unification. And in unification comes stability. But the world likes chaos. Because the world likes to be broken. Because those principalities that control the world the way it is now, they don't want to give up their power. The world, which is a mess, continues to condemn God all the time. The world again was broken and God came. Only God can fix it. God said he'll return. He'll be back. It's the final time, the final resurrection. Can't have an insurrection or a resurrection without an insurrection. You can always be under a state of insurrection, which then again is classified as the law of sin and death. If all the information of the world would come together, all, like I said, the scientists, all the despair and torture and chaos, all the religions, if everybody came together and started to find common ground, the world would be able to see God for who he is, for what he is, and possibly how I see him, because I see him in everything. Brothers and sisters, we're learning about the Acts of John coming out of a pandemic. The same man who wrote the book of Revelation, who talked about plagues, which the Greek word for plague means public calamity, learning the real definition of the cross by John who wrote the book of Revelation is in fact knowledge and harmony being brought to us by God. We need to stop and look at, you know, this perspective and learn what the cross really is because only God, Allah or Abba, Yah, whatever name you choose to worship our true creator under, can only make known this knowledge during our time in our lives. I'd never go searching for information. The Lord God puts it on my heart. Like I said, this time it was in the form of my new phone number. Told me to read, to study, and to complete my ordained job as the angel of Ephesus, Reverend Liz Jackson. Out of obedience to him, because I am, that is what my name means. God is my oath. I have an oath with God. He did not give me my name by chance. I have an oath and an obligation to fulfill. And that obligation is to ensure that whomever chooses to open their hearts and minds and eyes and ears to understanding our true God actually learns and takes the time to read and get to know our true God. God's waiting for you. The Lord God has his arms wide open for you. 
It's just, are you ready to let this world go and accept everything? The good, the bad, and the ugly. And then once we have accepted the cross, and that point where there's, you know, a square formed, we can all sit and meet. We can all learn about our similarities. And then we can all judge righteously whether or not God exists. Because I tell you he does. John tells you he does. And there's proof that he does. So instead of fighting each other with bombs and tanks and economic upheaval, the body of God needs to start moving. Because it is those principalities that rule places like Cuba and the Middle East and North Korea and parts of China. Anywhere that you know of serpent worship, you can guarantee that the doctrine and the lies have been spread there. Archaeology older than most serpent symbolism again dates back to Paleo-Hebrew. So it's all about perspective, as John told us, that God told him himself. He said, Perceive thou therefore in the first place of the word, then shalt thou perceive the Lord, and in the third place the man, and what he suffered. God showed me that we bring suffering on ourselves through karma. That is what Galatians is about. We reap what we sow. So it's time that we fix what God wants to bless out of this chaos and mess and heal it with the cross, with the knowledge, with the word with the wisdom, with God, with the mind, with the spirit, and with the understanding, as God has asked all of us to do during this time. As always, it's never goodbye, but I'll see you later.